Someone likes to preach really close to other people. <clears throat> and they have to pull the... Oh, that's you. Dang it. What's up, dude? Good. How y'all doing this morning? Man, a weekend with only one kid for us? Whew, tell you what. No kids, goodness. I mean, you know, it's been pretty quiet around the old house, huh? It's been it's been good. We got a lot of folks that are out there with Selena's out there with them. What are the uh, what parents are out there? I know Ethan's out there. Of course, Jerry and Danielle, Jared, Wilson, Ethan. Yeah, so that's that's awesome. They're coming back. I'm excited to hear. I think most of the parents are too. Like excited to hear what the kids say, right? What happened? And yay! They, I think they're having a good time. They haven't been. Larissa asked Jonah last night, "How's it going?" His response was good. So I was like, "Great, that's great." I, thanks for. But that was it. At least he replied. Yeah, did Noah didn't reply? Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, um, oh, before we get into. Uh, the word today. So I'm going to share a little life update slash Stones River kind of update. Um, you all know that I have been what's doing this and raising money, doing donations for uh, through the bread for five years now. Which is, that's a long time, right? And <clears throat> God has always provided. Though, Megan, I totally understand what you're saying sometimes. I'd be like, mm, you know, I don't love the way you're providing this way, God. If you could do it this way, it'd be a whole lot better. Like, can someone just donate 20 stacks for me? And then like, that'll cover for quite a long time. I don't, I don't like this hundred dollars here or there or whatever it, it is. But um, last, this last December, uh, a job opened up in the field that I used to be in and a really good one. And I really blew it off at first because I'd never even considered it. But to make a long story short, interview after interview, I've actually taken a job um, back in the education field, working for McGraw-Hill, if anybody knows who that textbook company is. doesn't change a lot here, but it changes a little. Uh, we, I talked to the shepherds, and, you know, Greg's been preaching once a month. I told them due to, like, like next week's my first week, and I'm gone all week. Um, due to that, that I would like to preach every other week, or roughly twice a month, or something like that. And, of course, I was happy to step down if that was what's best, but they very gracious and said they didn't want that to happen. So it's going to look a little bit different where Greg will preach more frequently, or I know John King or some of the other folks have actually mentioned being able to, uh, wanting to come in and fill in here or there. So I'll be preaching roughly every other week, but we're going to kind of get together as a team. We don't want to just have these rando, only rando sermons here and there, like how we're going through Exodus. So anyways, um, thank you all for, it's going to be a it's going to be great for my, it'd be good for my family. There's times whenever I just need to make that move for the old family, so. We can't tell you as shepherds how much we appreciate this man. John, you have been a, such a blessing and continue to be a blessing. John is not going anywhere. Isn't that wonderful news? I told him, even if you guys let tell me I'm not preaching, I'm not leaving. I love you. I like you. I like, like, this, like these folks way too much. Oh, well, we want to pray over you, brother. Lord, we are so thankful that you brought John and Larissa and the family our way and so much that they have become a part of this body and 
Lord, we love, love, love this family. We're so thankful for the door of opportunity that you've opened uh, for John to uh, make a good income. And Father, we know that you're the source of all blessing and that you have been all over this. Lord, we're thankful that we have Greg, that we have so many wonderful, wonderful brothers that are capable of preaching, sharing your messages from your word. And Lord, we know that we're not going to be uh, orphaned, but we are very, very blessed. And as a congregation, we say amen and amen to all of your blessings. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brothers. We believe this was a kingdom decision on your part. That's Thank right. You. Thank you. You know, when I tell folks Stones River just ain't like your regular church, I don't think they quite understand the, the family, the sense of community, you know, all the stuff that most churches, I would have said that too, would have been like, well, see ya, you know, uh, and just to know that, not only that, but to get confirmation even, because that's a big decision for a family, right? And, for, and to say, no, I think this is right from the shepherds was uh, meant a lot, actually. You guys saying that meant a lot to me and brings me a lot of comfort. You too, babe? Okay, good. Wait, you're never getting rid of me, I don't think. You can call me the roach. You can step on me as much as y'all want. I'm staying. That might not be true. There might be a time. Where was... So today, uh, Megan teed me up, you know, or the Lord teed me up through Megan for this message. Um, if you don't know what that means, it's like someone put a ball on a tee and I'm just going to go, that's all I have to do. Just don't screw up the swing, John. Uh, the message today I'm, is titled, Growth in the Wilderness. So we're going to be talking a lot about what it means, well, looking at Israel in wilderness and what that means to us as individuals and as obviously a community of faith. What does it mean whenever we are feeling like there's wilderness and how might we maybe look at it perspective and change our perspective, as that was one of the P's, wasn't it, Megan? Learning how to trust God, all these things to go, okay, maybe even if we don't love being in wilderness, maybe we're in a better position to let God do what he wants to do in our lives and to grow us. And maybe we'll see it a little bit differently, right? Who loves the wilderness, right? Nobody. Yeah, I can't wait to go out. I mean, we, not serious like desert wilderness, Matt, like, you know, I mean, maybe like some trees to cover us. We might go out there, and, but like, you know, this is some serious stuff. So next slide, uh, just bring up again that we have gone through this time where, man, God has consistently shown himself strong, powerful, deeply caring, a God of justice, a God of redemption. I mean, he's, he is just plague after plague, the Passover, then backs against the wall here. You know, last week, Greg did a great job. I mean, I was thinking about this going, that's a really scary situation. That's a life-threatening, super scary situation, right? Like, you, your back's against the wall, and the empire of empires is charging forward towards you. I might complain to Moses, too. I would like to hope that I didn't, wouldn't, that I'd be like, well, I've learned. God showed me this and this plague, and at least by this time, I've, I've trusted him, and I'm ready to go. But man, that would be tough coming at you. There's nowhere to go we're going to die. You know, that's the kind of 
thought, obviously, that they had. And yet God, once again, he brings deliverance, and he brings deliverance through water. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about baptism, you know, and looking back to Exodus and thinking through how God saved the Israelite people through water, like, and, and just thinking through, like, as people are baptized, and if you've never been baptized, I probably don't talk about it enough. Chuck's not even here, and I'm mentioning baptism. Chuck, if you don't know, Chuck Lee loves it when we mention that. But if you have never had that experience, I mean, there is something beautiful about new life and freedom coming through um, through the waters of baptism, and Jesus invites us to a wonderful experience of that. Like, it's, it's incredible. If you haven't and you'd like to see me or a shepherd or your neighbor, someone will point you in the right direction. But that God had saved this people, this nation, <clears throat> through this is so incredible. So incredible. We're going to be in Exodus 15 today. <clears throat> but if you go to the next slide, before we get into this, I want to talk a little bit about about wilderness, and I mentioned this, uh, I think, two weeks ago when I preached, is I think there is this challenge, this thing in, in, in the American church with a lot of people that I know, that I've talked to, um, that experience this great moment of salvation, or time, or unfolding of salvation. Um, they get freedom from addictions, or anger, or... Uh, a lot of charging after power or money or greed or we know whatever it is and they have this great sense of freedom and yes god has set me free hallelujah and they're pumped and they're excited only to within six months to a year to two years kind of feel like they're wandering in the wilderness now we're all wandering in the wilderness but with no aim what do i do with my life god saved me i'm supposed to go to church i guess right I guess I'm supposed to read the Bible, I'm supposed to pray a little bit, you know, but there's really no aim for where, target or anything that that we're headed towards. It's just kind of like, I'm living my life and one day God's going to, Jesus will come back and so forth, so on, or I'll die. But when God rescues um, Israel from Egypt, it wasn't aimlessly. It wasn't just to say, hey, you're free, Go. I wonder if that would be true freedom, actually, myself. Don't think so. But when he rescues them, he rescues them for purpose, right? You can go to the next slide. You see, God's desire for Israel, as we see unfolded, is that he desires them to be this city on a hill, this place where all nations can go and they can see what it looks like to be in deep relationship with Yahweh. That they can go and they can see what a people who trust God looks like and who walk in his ways and who walk in the light. And God desired Israel to be that. He says, listen, I'm sending you to promise to this land flowing with milk and honey, but it wasn't just so they can enjoy the milk and honey themselves. Sure, they can. They're, they're going to participate in that, but it was to bless others. It was to be this great nation where people could go, that's who God is, and that's what it's like to walk with God, right? But you think Israel's ready for this yet? After all that we've seen? <laughs> they're not ready. And so what happens is they need some growth. They need to grow. 
And because of that, they're going to have to do a little bit of, or maybe even a lot of bit of wondering. I wondered for a while, like, like man, they had to wonder for 40 years. That's a pretty long time, wandering through the, through the wilderness. And I thought, that, just, that seems like a long time. I know, God, uh, I know they, they were struggling to trust you and all these things, but that, is, that, is that harsh? I don't know. Is that a lot? But I realized as I read through this over and over that there was a lot that God needed to do with Israel. <laughs> and I... When I listen to this, I think of how hard-headed I probably am many times. And I'm going, God's kind of got me wandering through, trying to teach me things, trying to teach me. And I'm just like, oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I read the uh, Israel about Israel, and I'm like, I can't believe they don't get it. But then I do the same thing over and over and over. But the point that I want to talk about today is just simply that fact that when we're in that place and we're going, this is how God grows us. When everything's going great and there's no challenge, it's like you ever, you ever heard of a sports team and someone says, well, they, maybe they've won all their games so far and, they're, or, and someone says, well, they're untested or a tennis player, untested. What does that mean? It means they haven't played someone really good. Like we don't really know how good they are. Maybe they're 10-0, but they've played a bunch of, you know, whatever, easy teams. And so without having that test, without having that, whatever it is coming against, there really may not be any growth and we may not see it. So, next slide. So what we're going to see, y'all, is God doesn't give the easiest test either, by the way. He doesn't just throw softballs and go, knock this out of the park. Like, this is, these, are, these are challenging things because they need to be challenged in order to grow. And again, I hope that as we look at Israel, maybe we have a different perspective of being tested, of being in the wilderness, of going, okay, this isn't easy. No one's saying it's easy. <laughs> but maybe, maybe a, a different perspective on submitting to what God is doing in our lives. 15.22. This is literally right after it says, the horse and rider have been thrown into the sea. Man, tambourines are going. Israel's rejoicing. Empire's been destroyed. And you think, is this time for God to just zap us to promise to be that city on a hill? No, they're not ready. Then Moses ordered Israel to set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now that's easy to kind of, many of us have read through that, just kind of go past it. But they went from one life-threatening situation to within a week, another life-threatening situation. Anyone ever experienced that or know someone to experience that? That's, that's serious business. Like, again, this isn't a softball toss to Israel. This is, hey, you are going to die, Israel, <laughs> if, if I don't do anything, right? The Egyptians are going to take you down to how many days can you go without drinking water? Three to five? Unless there's a miracle, your organs start shutting down, you're done. They're out in the wilderness. Anyone been on a long hike? Anyone ever go on a long hike and forget to bring their water? Yes. Anyone ever, I remember going to Arizona, and I did a hike out in Arizona. I didn't forget my water. I was promised. This was one with, uh, on a work trip that I went on. They said, bring a lot. I had no idea how much water. Like, I did not bring enough. And I'm like going, Ugh. and this was like a four-hour hike or something. It wasn't even that long. Can you imagine out in this Middle Eastern desert, <laughs> wandering around, and there's no water? 
It says they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Then it says, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water <coughs> of Marah because it was bitter. That's why it's called Marah, which means um, bitterness. Sorry. But what you said earlier, Megan, this really, uh, it was something I was wrestling and thinking with. Do you ever think going through a tough situation in life, maybe it's financial or physical or whatever, and you think, there's a deliverance. It's there. You know, like maybe, maybe you, you know, down a thousand bucks for in bills and you're just like, oh my gosh, God, give me my money. I love, please give me this money. I would love to have it, Lord. It would be so helpful to me and my family, blah, blah, blah. A friend calls you up and they're like, hey, I'm going to come over. The Lord told me to bring you money. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. And then she hands you 50 bucks, which is awesome. And you're like super, super happy that, you're, that God had uh, your friend give you that money. But there's like this immense disappointment has to be. I thought, like you're, I thought about this. I thought I was getting that promotion. I thought that was the answer. I thought X, Y, anyone? Because man, I've had this happen a lot. Like I think this is it. This is the deliverance. And it's not. That's what happens, man. They find this water. They're like, praise God, we've got the water. And then they taste the water. And it's probably brackish water, which is salty water. You can't drink it. <laughs> Could you imagine finally finding water in the desert and it's salt water? And you're like, what? Seriously, God? <laughs> no, we've been wandering around. We haven't found water for three days. Now we finally found water, and now we find out that it's salty. What, what's going on here? You might think at some point the Israelites change the script, right? Like, this plague, this plague, this plague, God delivers, God delivers, God delivers, God delivers from Egypt, you know, all these things. And yet it seems almost like a broken record in verse 24. And the people complained against Moses and said, what shall we drink? You would think maybe at some point Israel would go, hey, why don't we like fast and pray and seek God and like, you know, or someone is a Joshua or a Caleb besides Moses and stands up and goes, we can do this. God's got this. But that's not recorded. Maybe there was some of that. I have no idea. All we have though is recorded that they complained and that they complained against Moses. And I try to think how, how annoying would this be to be Moses? You don't even want to be the dang leader. Anyone ever been in a leadership role and you don't even want to be the leader? It just happened. I mean, he tries to get out of it. You don't even want to be the leader, and every time you turn around and something goes a little bit ill, you've got this whole nation of people complaining, complaining, complaining. Moses will, in chapter 16, eventually go, you guys know you're complaining against God, not me, right? But I put myself in Israel's perspective and think through, like, how, mu how many times have we experienced, or I can say me, a deliverance, a deliverance, a deliverance, but when I'm in the situation, I can't see out of it. I can't take the 50,000-foot view. I struggle to go, okay, God, what are you doing here? How can I participate with you? How can I yield? I just go, God, what do I do? I, I can't see out of this struggle. And I think many of us would have probably participated in Israel, potentially complaining, saying, oh. But you see Moses doing what Israel should be doing, and that is he cries out to the Lord. Israel's complaining, whining, and I wouldn't say rightfully so, but I mean, hey, you're going to die if you don't get water. Finally get water. It's salt water. What's going on? 
And the Lord once again works a miracle, right? He throws this branch into the water and it becomes sweet. It soaks up the saltiness or whatever happens, happens. I'm amazed at God's patience. Have you, have you thought about this? How often, if you were in God's shoes, we'd be like, I'm done. Like, what do I have to do? I daggum parted a sea and you walk through on dry ground. <laughs> and yet you're still having these complaints. Go to the uh, next slide. Then it says in the middle of verse 25, I never finished, well, I haven't gone there. There the Lord made them a statue and an ordinance, which we're going to read, which is really cool. And there he put them to the test. When we hear the word test, how many of y'all think of this a lot, right? Like it just, especially if you're a teacher or if you've taken these scantron seats and different things like that. Oftentimes we hear the word test and it has a very negative connotation. Don't get me wrong. There are bad tests out there that don't help at all. (laughs) There are times whenever we test too frequently and all these things. But here it says very specifically, they were going through this really hard thing because God was testing them. And I've heard some preachers and people try to say God doesn't test us these days. I, I struggle with that, especially reading things like James that... Megan read earlier that we're, we go through trials and tests and it produces patience and, uh, and all these things and it kind of reveals where we're at. But that's the key. Like I think if we are a loving father as God, God was a loving father, and he is trying to see Israel and their growth, if we do, tests can be very, very revealing for that, right? Like, Something very simple when Judah comes home with his little fluency test. You ever done fluency tests with your kids or done any by yourself? And simple, they just read and you just say, oh, they didn't say that word. They missed that word. They read this many words per minute, blah, blah, blah. When we do that, we're not doing it so that we go, you stink, Judah. You're horrible. I knew that you couldn't read good. That wouldn't be the right way to say it. But we take that test to see where he's at, to see the revelation of where he is, and then you take that test later on, why do you do that? Is there any growth? It's good. It's actually healthy when you do it well. And if there's not, then why, right? To inform the instruction. Like, what do we need to change? Am I trying to share with him something over here and I'm not, it's not really connecting with him? Why is he declining? Why is he saying the same? See, God is giving Israel tests and even hard tests because it reveals and he wants to see them grow. Like I totally 100% believe that. And I believe God does the same to us. And we don't talk about that enough in the church, I don't think. You ever been like a pop quiz or a test that you weren't even aware was coming and just you just tanked it? Anyone ever experienced that? I have. I'm saying this so you don't tank it, right? <laughs> There's a test coming in your life. There's a test coming in our lives. There's a test that's going to happen at some point. Could be tomorrow, could be a month, could be months from now. But there's going to be places in our lives where God desires to grow us. If you can see that in Jesus and his relationship with the disciples, man, he tested them. He he tried to see them grow. He wanted to see them grow. That there will be times when God's going to let us go through something that's not easy. What matters is how we respond, right? What matters is if we just get angry with God and say, forget it, God, or whatever. Or if we look at that with that new perspective, and I'm, I'm preaching this, and it will be way harder to go through. 
I think there's been tests recently for us too. Am I going to get angry? Am I going to get bitter? Am I going to whatever against God? And I think God can take us being frustrated with him and stuff, and we can express that. But am I going to live that lifestyle and become bitter and let a bitter root come into my life? Or am I going to say, God, are you trying to grow me in an area right now? He wants the Israelites to grow in trust with him. He is their father. They are his son, and they won't trust him. They're struggling. They're struggling to trust that he's actually going to provide for them, that he's actually going to take care of them, that he's actually going to protect them, that he's going to be able to take them into promise which seems like kind of a tall order, especially at this point. But will he do it? He's trying to say, let me show you that I will. And what does he want from them? You get this in verse uh, 26. This is his statue and his ordinance. He says, and this is, I think this is, I got this verse memorized because it's just, it hits me so hard. <clears throat> he says, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. You ever have to say this to a child? Listen carefully to what I'm saying. I don't recommend you do that to an adult. You might get smacked. But there's times when many of us have probably wanted to say that, especially when you're trying to teach an adult or someone something, and they're like, huh? And you're like, listen. But this is the first step in being able to accomplish anything else that God's going to say right here in this passage. And I I asked myself this question, am I carefully listening to God's voice? Have I built a lifestyle where I am doing what I can, like I am trying to listen to hear what God says day in and day out? Because if I'm not listening, then I can't do the rest of what we're going to read here. And I'm not going to go through a whole message on what listening to God is. There's so much. We can talk about that if you have any questions. He speaks to us through his word, through a small voice, through, uh, you know, nature. I mean, there's so many ways that God can speak. But it doesn't go a line outside of his word. I always say that because I don't know some people that never read the word and God's talking to them all the time and they come up with some crazy nonsense, right? But are we carefully listening? Like that's, that, is, that is the key to starting off. Do we want to hear from God? He says, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight. So listening is awesome, but it doesn't end there. You ever tell your kids something and they heard you and then they did the exact opposite thing or you did that to someone else? God says, listen, I need you to listen carefully to me, Israel, but I also need you to do what's right. You need to live righteously. I'm going to tell you. And and here's the interesting thing. All of this is based, I believe, rooted in trust. If we don't trust that God knows what's best, that his ways are higher, that that we're... (laughs) don't even come close to him, if we don't trust that he is a loving father that actually does care about us, then whenever he has things for us to do, we probably won't listen because we'll be like spiritual teenagers and think we know more than our parent. I love it. Do you guys love it? When it sorry, I love it when I, Jonah did something this week, I can't remember. And I was like, hey, this is going to happen. And he was like, hmm. and he didn't listen and the exact thing happened. And then he's like, I don't do it. I just laugh. I laugh, but I don't berate him or anything like that. I say, see, I told you, I'm, I know more than you think I know, right? But if we still think that we know more than God, we're in trouble. 
do what is right in his side, give heed to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. And this is the whole thing about trust. Do we trust in his kingdom? Do we trust in his ways? Do we trust that he cares? All these things. Because we have to have that. But we could still have that and not do these. But when we have that and we begin to do and to listen carefully and to do what he says, then he says, go to the next slide. I love this. This is a picture of Jesus healing. Uh, I just love that nature of God, that part of his nature. I will not bring upon you any of the diseases that are brought upon the Egyptians. I'm the Lord who heals you. That's a strange place, I thought before. Why are you talking about, this is Jehovah Rapha, this is a physical healing. Why are you bringing this up until I realize this whole passage is about a physical problem. I'm about to die because I don't have water. <laughs> the next chapter, which we're going to breeze through really quick, uh, is about, I'm hungry. I don't have any food. He's saying, listen, if you will do these things, I will take care of you. Does that mean that every time anyone gets sick, it's because they are in disobedience to God? No. We know that because that's what the disciples, I wonder if they were thinking back to this passage when they said, Jesus, who sinned to make this blind man blind? Was it him or his parents? Because we know that you said if we listen to your voice, then that must be it. And he says, well, it wasn't any, it was for God's glory. But I do think it's quite interesting that swinging to the other side of the fence that we would say that our actions and the way we interact with God and obey him has nothing to do with physical health. That seem would be way too far on the other side, right? That, that's, isn't that interesting that he's saying like out, the way that we act and stuff? And it does. I mean, go ahead and drink yourself to death. Like if you do, you're going to struggle. Your body's not going to like it. Like there's a tie in there. I think that that's an interesting, interesting piece to this. But the, really the heart of God is, I want, I, I, I want to, to make you whole. I, I, I want good things for you, Israel. But you've got to trust me. You've got to walk with me, even when it's hard. If you go to the next slide. Um, I'm going to go quickly through chapter uh, 16 of the kind of scenario because it's a lot of the same. Like what we're going to see is they're found again in wilderness. God did lead them to the springs, which is cool, Right? They had water, it was good, everything's good. But then you would think, well, maybe it's all okay. Do you ever have that where you're just like, bam, hit with one thing after the other? Anyone ever have those times you're just like, are you kidding me? And then it becomes comical. You're like, yep, of course. There's another bill. <laughs> There's another problem. Someone's got a problem with me. Of course you do. Line up. There's a whole line of people that have problems. Now, if that happens too much, you might want to do a little introspection. <laughs> maybe there's a common denominator there. But, um, but what happens here is they find themselves again. They're, they're, they're in the desert, and this time, instead of attack on the, the thirst, they get hungry. And you might think at this point, we're all good. Man, we're going to go pray and trust God. But I want to read verse 3 of chapter 16 really quick. This is Israel's response. They complain against Moses and Aaron, and it says, the Israelites said to them, if we... If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we had sat by flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Tell me how you re really feel, Israel. Like, I mean, that's like, it's not like, you know, my tummy's grumbling. It's like, you ki you're killing us, man. And I think of what it would be like to be, again, Moses and Aaron in this scenario. And you're just trying to follow the Lord. You're not even, you're reluctant leaders at that. And I ask myself here, how do we treat 
the leading of God. And how do we treat people in leadership positions? Like, I think that's interesting, right? Now, there are horrible leaders that aren't listening to God's voice or that want to do it for power or whatever. But in knowing people that are in, you know, many of us are in leadership roles, whether it's at our job or here or wherever it is, I think most people are trying to do it the right way. They actually care about people. They, I don't know, that's, that's just, that's my, maybe I'm too positive. I'm a very positive person. But I think most people aren't trying to dominate and doing these things. Yes, there are some that do. But from that perspective, it really is difficult whenever you are trying to do, I'm just giving you like insight, like you're trying to do your best and all people are going to do is berate and complain. <laughs> anyone, know what I'm, anyone feel me on that? Anyone have that happen to you? Like you're like, dude, I'm, I'm really, you're at work and you're trying to lead and you're trying to do this and you hear complaint after complaint or yeah, all I have to do is say, we're going to X restaurant and you know, two out of three of my kids are complaining. I'm like, Can you, you're getting food. You're never going to do anything where everyone's happy, right? Like as much as we want to, we want everyone to kumbaya, whatever, there's going to be something that people are going to be, you know, upset about. But the question for me is, is this, because I want to put myself, I'm always checking my own heart. If I have a complaint against someone in any type of leadership role or just a friend of mine or something where they're headed in a direction and I'm going in that direction, I'm going, I, I don't like the way we're going. Instead of complaining, actually having conversation with people. We don't do that anymore. We just angry and we leave and just complain and then other people hear about it and it just, it's not healthy for the body of Christ. But they, they were doing the same thing. They're getting just complaining and complaining. Like, we have to learn to be able to discuss things with one another. Most of the time, it's just a misunderstanding. I would say so big of a percentage of the time. What if they would have just said, hey, Moses, can, we need to talk to God. Can you talk to God? Or let's talk to, let's pray, let's seek God. We know that he's doing this together. Like, let's do this. How much healthier would that be than this divisive complaining and all these things that continue to happen. When God has continued to show that he was providing. And again, we might find ourselves complaining against God. That, that always makes me check my heart. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't like what she's doing. And then I go, if that's from God, then I'm the one that needs to change, not her. <laughs> and we have to check our hearts on that. But go to the next slide. God then provides them, it says it in verse uh, 4, he provides them with another test. He's not done with his tests. He didn't say, well, we're good, because obviously they need some more because they haven't been doing super well. He provides them quail, a little desert quail like that. I just, I like the little thing on the front, don't you? I just think quail are cute. But he provides them with this test of manna. And I don't like this one. This is the hardest one for me personally, I think, y'all. I like a nest egg. Anybody like a nest I like to stack some money back. You know, I like to do these things. In this scenario, God says, I'm going to do a test. I'm going to provide you exactly enough food to eat for every single day. If you get too much, it's going to grow. It's going to get worms and foul and stanky. If you get too little, it's going to be enough. Like, it's, it's interesting what God does here. But I'm going to do a miracle because on the sixth day, I want you to get double the amount and you'll be all good because the seventh day, I want you to rest. 
We've talked about Sabbath. I want you to enjoy me. I want you to enjoy creation. I want you to chill. Of course, there's in both of these situations, when we read chapter 16, we see failure and failure. Not of everybody, but we see people trying to get too much. That's me. That would be me. I'm, that would be me going, oh, man. I mean, this really has made me think about, like, this is, this is hitting me like, ah, okay, I would, that's who I would be. I, I would have been the one that got twice as much and making sure my kids have, you know, just, you know. Or the ones that said they couldn't sit still on Sabbath. They couldn't trust in God. God is teaching them to trust. I guarantee you that when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray and says, give us this day our daily bread, he's thinking of this. The bread in the wilderness. The way that God every single day provided. Trust me, I got you. Trust me, I got you. Wouldn't that be a much easier, or not easier, wouldn't that be a, a, a much more anxiety-less life if we could just learn to trust? Well, God, I've got enough for today. Okay, thank you. Thank you that my family has food for today. Thank you, you know, instead of complaining. Thank you that we have clothes on our back. Thank you that we have a house over our head. Thank you, God. But again, this whole scenario, and you can go to the last slide, is that God is teaching them to grow and teaching them how to trust him. They cannot be the people that he would have them to be without growth. And you and I find ourselves in that same situation in the sense of God has called us to be a kingdom of priests to him, of be a city on a hill, right? Does he say this? Let your light shine before man. <laughs> Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know, like there's all these things that, that we're, we are called to reflect the image of, of Christ. We are called to, to be ambassadors for this kingdom thing, to let the world look at us and go, wow, that's what it's like to be in relationship and covenant with God. This is what it looks like for a group of people to walk with God. We have, it's, there's, there should be no aimlessly wondering. Now, there will be desert time, but it will be towards purpose, towards promise. And you and I have that in us. God wants to grow us. God wants to challenge us. God's going to. <laughs> we can reject it. We can we submit to it. But he's going to challenge us individually and as a whole. And I think it's a beautiful thing because it's opportunities. All these things that we've been doing lately that God has brought our way, some of them are challenging, right? Sometimes it's challenged to find time to participate, challenging maybe to donate towards, challenging, you know, all these things. But I just see it as God just giving us such opportunity for growth. And I know for me personally and for us as a whole, like there's so many places that God has even revealed things in my heart that I didn't love. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've been a, bit, a, bit, a little bit lazy in that area. That stinks, God, okay. <laughs> but it's beautiful because I want, we want to be formed into Christ's image as a community. And without that, we're never gonna, without that challenge and that growth, we won't be able to reveal to the world how beautiful he is. So that's that. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that you're a God who loves us enough to challenge us. Um, that loves us enough to provide for us and to be really adamant about us understanding that aspect of your life, of who you are. That you're going to show uh, the Israelites over and over and over. And through that, Lord, that you're incredibly patient with us. God, I mean, seriously, Father, thank you for your patience. I, I know that I, te I test your patience, I'm sure, sometimes <laughs> in the way that I take forever to do things and change. But Lord, I pray that as a community, a simple prayer that we would submit to 
growth in the wilderness, Lord. Uh, the, those, the places, Lord, that you, that you try and you test us, that, Lord, that we would have a new perspective on that. Um, that we would recognize, Lord, that um, even when it's very difficult things, when we yield to you, God, it will produce something good in us as a community. And I ask that, that you would continue to do so, Father. Um, and even now, that you would, Holy Spirit, that you would even bring revelation um, as we sing this song, any areas in our hearts where uh, we've allowed our hearts to be hard, um, where we've not allowed growth to take place, where we've just kind of stunted that. Um, God, we just open ourselves to you and just ask that you would bring that revelation so that we can grow and just do an incredible job showing this community around us uh, who you are, what your kingdom looks like. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name, amen.